let me welcome you to today. We have a special service. Uh, some of you may have never participated in one quite like this before. Uh, I can usually make that statement fairly safely because uh, uh, it's fairly unusual the way we go about this. Today we will be celebrating the ordination of deacons and elders, new deacons and new elders. We have three new deacons, three new elders, six people who in a few moments will be scattered around the congregation. You will have a chance to come and uh, pray for them uh, at, at that particular moment, so you stay ready. In the meantime, we're also going to continue to be faithful to our mission of declaring the Word of God and growing as we work through our study of Ephesians and the study of big words. So it's all tied together, and I've asked uh, two of our special folks, Dave Roos and Wynn, wherever you guys are in the room right now, where did you guys locate today? Over here. Come on down front. So um, they're going to start us off today with a reading of Scripture. Each of them has one. D uh, Dave is going to read to us from Acts 6, which is the passage in the Bible where deacons got their start. And Dave, of course, is the come on is, is our current uh, co-chair of the deacons. And then Wynn is one of our church's elders, and she's going to read a passage from 1 Timothy 3 uh, about uh, the elders' role and character and calling in the church. So I'm going to let the Word of God speak for itself as they come and read for us, please. Good morning. This is from Acts 6, verses 1 to 7. The number of Christ followers was growing, but during the same time, the Greek-speaking followers had an argument with the other followers. The Greek-speaking widows were not getting their share of the food that was given out every day. The 12 apostles called the whole group of followers together and said, it's not right for us to stop our work of teaching God's word in order to serve tables. So brothers and sisters, choose seven of your own men who are good, full of the spirit and full of wisdom. We will put them in charge of this work. Then we can continue to pray and to teach the word of God. The whole group liked the idea. So they chose these seven men. Stephen, a man with great faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a man from Antioch who had become a follower of the Jewish religion. Then they put these men before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God was continuing to spread. The group of followers in Jerusalem increased and a great number of the Jewish priests believed and obeyed. In 1 Timothy 3, we see the word overseer. I'd like for you to think in terms of elder whenever you hear overseer. This is a true saying. Anyone wanting to become an overseer desires a good work. An overseer must not give people a reason to criticize them, and they must be faithful to their spouse. They must be self-controlled, wise, respected by others, ready to welcome guests, and able to teach. They must not drink too much wine or like to fight 
but rather be gentle and peaceable, not loving money. They must be a good family leader, having children who cooperate with full respect. If someone does not know how to lead the family, how can that person take care of God's church? But an elder must not be a new believer, or they might be too proud and be judged guilty just as the devil was. An elder must also have the respect of people who are not in the church, so they will not be criticized by others and caught in the devil's trap. So these are some of the guidelines and, and history and foundation for our deacons and elders. It's interesting that our passage for today that we're looking at, Ephesians 4, chapter 1 through verse 21 of chapter 5, closes with a phrase that talks about being in mutual submission to one another. And that's one of the reasons why I invited Dave and Wynn to read those passages today. Because we're one of those funny churches that people can't figure out if we're liberal or if we're conservative. Because we're always talking about Bible, 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 and yet we do things that surprise them, that others people have told them, oh, no, the Bible says you don't do, no, 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 it's not. So we confuse. So we're just trying to add to that a little bit today. Not really. Uh, I wanted you to see David, who is the chairman of the deacons, when, obviously female, one of our elders and leading the church. And so there are people who say, oh, no, you can't have women over men in the church. Can I just say something very clearly? First of all, to be a deacon or an elder in terms of the church is a race to the bottom. It is descending into greatness in the eyes of God. He who would want to lead she who would want to lead must serve all. Jesus said that himself. If I, the Lord, know how to serve all, right? Student is not above the master. We are not above Jesus. And so, first of all, we don't concern ourselves with this thing of hierarchy in that way because it's not about being over one another. It's about serving Christ and serving one another. And so, uh, if you're sitting there trying to figure out how we have women elders, how we, it, that's because that's the framework with which we understand the Bible. In Christ, there is no male nor female, no slave nor free, no Greek nor Jew. This is what the Bible teaches. So, that is our spirit today, and I just love the way those two set such a great example for that uh, marital relationship, mutual respect, mutual submission, mutual service in the church. And all the folks you're going to see up here today, deacons and elders, people being ordained, uh, they are here because they have a heart to follow God, to serve Him, and to serve their church family, not to, to take the headship that is Christ, not us. And so we're here to serve in that way. We do want to acknowledge that elders and deacons serve two different roles. You saw from the Scripture passages how elders are about more focused on meeting practical needs of the church, and so many of them lead different teams that serve in some very practical ways, and we are so grateful for how they do that. The elders in our church family have the responsibility of having to, helping to set the direction of the church under God's leadership, helping to see 
Where are we moving? How are we obeying together the Word of God and moving forward in the church? There are two different ministries, two different responsibilities, but both incredibly important to the church and both very much connected to our big word for today. Our study in Ephesians has been focused on big words, and today we have a whopper. It's the word maturing. No, it's not 25 letters long. It's not the longest word in the dictionary, but it's a big word. All of chapter 4 and the first portion of chapter 5 really focuses on this theme of maturing as a believer. I have to tell you that after 30 years now of pastoral ministry, I have now come to see mature, maturing, maturity. This is a word that is of inestimable value, great worth, and is also in incredibly short supply far too often. So growing up to be mature is an enormous goal, and I want to make this clear. This is a goal for every believer, according to the Bible, that we would grow up into Him who is the head, even Christ. That's how the Bible puts it. How do we grow up and mature? I'll say this, you will never mature spiritually to the place that God has for you without a heart of service. To use the gifts, to use the personality, to use the way God has shaped and made you to be in service to Him and to His body, the church. What God has gifted you for, God wants you doing. It's that simple. What God has called you, what He has gifted you for, He's inviting you, and this is where it comes to our part, to dedicate yourself to that calling. And so I want to honor the men and women today who are being ordained as elders and deacons and express my gratitude to God for providing such great folks for our church family, not just our existing deacons and elders, but these in particular who are being ordained today. Now, today what we're going to do, rather than a normal sermon that you're used to from me, I invite you to take your Bible and open it to Ephesians chapter 4 and chapter 5, because what we're going to kind of do is move through that passage and as we come to particular verses, I want you to hear a word of testimony from uh, our uh, uh, ordinands. That's what you call folks who are getting ordained today. They each have a, a word to share with you. And like I said, we're going we're to go through verse 21. And by the way, a little advertisement here next week. Jonathan will pick up here and talk to us about another big word that I know is not controversial at all, the word submission. And so, uh, that's why I'm taking the week off. I'm going to be like in, no, I'm going to be right here. Uh, but Jonathan will be bringing the Word uh, next week and looking forward to that. So, we're going to walk through this today. And the reason we have them sharing their testimonies, and some of them are quite brief, just a glimpse. You're going to need to spend time. They want to spend time with you, getting to know you better, serving the church family. But it is important. I want you to understand as we study this passage on maturity, have you ever heard that phrase, you're the only Bible some people will ever read? You're the only sermon some people will ever hear? Chapter 4 and the first part of chapter 5 are all about the life that we live in response to what God is doing. That is what maturing is. 
A plant grows as it responds to the rain that falls and the sunshine that comes, and it grows naturally. A Christian who is obedient to what God is calling them to do, who is walking that life, they're going to be growing, and that life will be maturing, and that's going to be our focus today. And you'll see different aspects of this passage come alive in the lives of the people that you have affirmed God has called to be our new deacons and elders. Now, after they share their testimonies, they're going to be taking these seats around the the sanctuary, and Clark's helping me kind of move these into place. We have six, so we're spreading them out. Uh, Unfortunately, what it means is nobody in here, including the pastor, gets to pray over all six individually, but you get to pick one, and I encourage you to kind of reflect as you're hearing from them and as you're hearing the Word of God Let God speak to you about which one you want to be a part of today as you come and you may lay a hand on a shoulder or whatever yourself. We call it the laying on of hands. It's simply a way of talking about our connection together. Or you may have to put your hand on the shoulder of somebody else because not everybody will be able to get that close. But it's a symbolic way of demonstrating our support, our prayer, our love, and reflecting what you heard earlier, how the apostles set apart those first deacons. And so that's what we'll be doing today. You'll have a chance. I'll invite you at the close of the message and testimony time uh, in different groups to take a place around the different folks who are going to be uh, ordained today. And uh, just to help you a bit, so Becky will be over here, and Joyce will be over here, and Felix, and Jeff, and Cynthia, and Milton. So, uh, you'll have a chance to gather around these folks in the laying on of of hands and prayer in a few minutes. So, if you've got your Bible open now, I'll give you a moment. Ephesians 4, verse 1. This is where we're starting today. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Any English teachers or English majors or writers or composition people, reporters, anybody like that in the room, grammar people? Okay, this is what we call a topic sentence. This is what controls everything that comes after. This sets the framework. It is about living your life worthy of the calling you have received. So, notice it's not breaking them out yet. It may be a deacon. It may be an elder, it may be a pastor, it may be a Sunday school teacher, it may be a small group leader, it may be as a church member, it may be as a children's volunteer, as a youth worker, it can be any number, whatever calling you have received as a musician, as an usher, whatever it might be, whatever calling you have received, live a life worthy of that calling. And because the calling comes from God, the standard is up there when we say live a life worthy of it. And I love the language here, don't you? A life worthy of the calling you have received. Notice what it does. It doesn't say the calling you have earned. You don't earn your way to being a deacon or elder. Yes, your life reflects a particular kind of lifestyle that gets Uh, noticed, and it helps us to sort through how God is leading. But no, you don't earn it. It's not about how many years you've, you've been in the church or what roles you've checked on the boxes. It's a receiving a calling. It, it means you didn't initiate it. 
almost always when we call a deacon or an elder, the first thing they say is, who, me? <laughs> really? You'll get that kind of thing because of their humility, because of their love, and because they're not initiating it. God is the one who's initiating. All we can do is receive it. And can I just say to everybody here today, no matter what your calling is, this is how life is. Everything you have, you have received as a grace gift from God. Paul says it in Corinthians, what do you have? that you have not received from God? And the understood answer is nothing, nothing. It's a grace gift. It's not just your salvation, it's everything. All right, verse two, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. My brother, Felix, I want you to come right up here and share your testimony. And I want you to be thinking about verse two, and those of you who've been privileged as I have, to walk with Felix for a number of years, understand why I asked him to share after a verse that says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Brother, come right on up. Good morning, church family. Um, I call myself a work in progress. Um, when first asked to accept a position of becoming a deacon, my thought was, was who, me? <laughs> um, but I thought, and I said, if this is what God is calling me to, then of course I'll accept. And as far as my spiritual journey goes, you know, I reference myself, and, and I'm not perfect. I already made my mistake when I reference uh, Exodus chapter 3, the whole chapter, and I said Exodus 4, 1 through 8, where I meant to, to say 1 through 17. Um, just as Moses was, you know, looking for excuses and, and whatever, I just, uh, I gave it some thought, and I prayed, and, and I came to the point that I said, well, Whatever capacity God can use me to serve, that's what I'll do. And I humbly submit myself to God. And I know that I truly love God and I truly love my church family. So whichever way he wants me to serve, I'm willing. Thank you. You see, you might think that what Paul is listing here are common traits of leaders. But, you know, in the ancient Greek world, when he said, be completely humble, that kind of threw people for a loop. Because in their world, who got respected was who had the power, who had the influence, who had the might. Humility was not viewed as a great character strength. But again, remember our Lord, Philippians 2 says, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death that takes place on a cross, which means the worst, most heinous, most painful death of their day. That's what Jesus did. He humbled himself. And I will simply say uh, that Brother 
Felix is a tremendous example of humility. Humility, you know what it really means? Humility means I have a proper understanding of who God is and who I am and how that puts me in relationship to other people. It's that simple. Oh, that we could all grasp that. But some people grasp it more profoundly than others. And Brother Felix is somebody that I would commend to you after 30 years of walking with him, has lived a life of great humility and service. So I'm pleased to commend him to you today. Verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, again, let me just say this. Let's leave that verse up there for just a minute. There are fewer, there are very few responsibilities in church leadership as a deacon or an elder more important than this one. Keeping God's people united in the bond of peace as we walk together with Jesus to change lives, that's the assignment that God has given to everybody, but that's also especially true for deacons and elders as our servant leaders. And I just want to help you just a little bit with this language. The bond of peace that Paul is speaking about is not some weak, appeasing kind of attitude, afraid to confront kind of keep the peace. That's not what Paul is talking about. When Paul talks about the bond of peace, you know what the bond of peace is in a church? What keeps a church together? It's when Jesus is at the center. It's that simple. When Jesus is at the center, no matter what your upbringing, your religious tradition, all that stuff, it's about keeping Jesus at the center of our life. Not ourselves, not our preferences, not what we like, but Jesus at the center. And over the past 20 years or so, in my circle of friends and prayer partners and church members, nobody has set the example of keeping Jesus at the center of their life any better than the deacon that I'm going to introduce to you now. Becky White, would you come up and share? Being ordained today, nobody I could recommend to you more highly about keeping Jesus as the center, Jesus as the one who bonds us together in peace. I'm going to wait till you get here and make sure we got this okay. That looks about right. Yeah, thanks, Becky. All right. It is all about Jesus. Uh, I grew up going to church every time the doors were open. My parents took me there. And I learned a lot about Jesus. But it wasn't until I was a senior in high school and attended a youth retreat in the summer that I met a girl who was so different from me and that she didn't grow up going to church. And her father would come home and be drunk and be abusive to her and her mother. But she had just recently come to know Jesus in a way that I knew I didn't. And she explained to me, God loves you just the way you are. I had been trying to follow a list of rules and I had learned to memorize a lot of Bible verses and had all the badges and buttons for perfect attendance. But she really had him and I knew I didn't. And she explained to me that I needed to ask him to come into my life for the forgiveness of my sins. She said, you are a sinner. And that was just not what I wanted to hear because I thought I had always been a Christian, but I realized that I really wasn't. And it was at that point in my life 
that I received Christ into my heart. And um, I had grown up, I think, being really shy, and a lot of that was because of my disability. And after I became a Christian, I was reading the Bible, and it, it was like the scripture was just jumping off the pages. It was so wonderful. And I came across the ninth chapter of John, where one day Jesus and the disciples were walking down the road, and one of the disciples said, Jesus, see the man who is blind? Was he born blind because his parents sinned or because he sinned? And Jesus said, no, that isn't it at all. It's so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. And the man later said, whereas I was blind, now I see. Well, that really struck me that God had get, allowed me to have a disability for his glory, that if others might notice me because of that, then it would be a, an opening for me to talk about him and his love for me and his love for them. And that's why it's all about Jesus. Okay, thanks. We are not worthy of the people that God has provided for us. God is good. And all the time, God is good to us. Thank you, Becky. Wow, so meaningful. Verse 4. See, in MMA, the Bible comes alive. You see this in their lives. This is what's so neat. Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Now, let me just be very clear. This verse is not about simplistic universalism. You know, every, everybody is going to heaven. There's no difference. There's a, all religions point to the… No, 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 no. Don't, don't misinterpret the Bible. What he's saying is that in one, there's one body, God's church. There is one Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. One Lord Jesus Christ, put your faith in him, the one faith, one baptism. And that's not just talking about the water. Some of you say, well, wait a minute, I was sprinkled in a Methodist church or I was poured in some other tradition or I was dunked as a baptism. No, no, that's not what he's saying. He's not talking about styles of baptism. He said, your life is found when you are baptized into Christ, when his Holy Spirit comes and lives with you, when you die to self and are raised to walk in a new kind of life. I have been privileged to walk alongside Joyce Bringle for years now, and I have been blessed to see her live out the reality of this passage. So I'm going to ask Joyce to come and share her testimony with us. Starting at the beginning, my earliest recollection of my spiritual life began at the tender age of five, when I first became aware of the existence of an invisible su supreme being whose name is God and who loves and protects little children. Having nighttime jitters that intensified after seeing a reissue of the movie The Wizard of Oz with its portrayal of a green wicked witch and flying monkeys, 
I was finally, um, I finally was able to comfort myself by pretending that my bed was God's hand, softly cradling me while warding off all things that go bump in the night. Snugly curled up, cozily cocooned, I would drift off into a confident and peaceful sleep. Fast forwarding through my growing up years, I have so many cherished memories of the life that I had with my amazing parents who loved my two sisters and me unconditionally and nourished us with experiences rich with Jewish traditions and warm family togetherness. But as years passed and my horizons widened, I began to feel a void, an unfulfilled yearning that was piqued by my English literature classes that consisted of the study of classics that included Christian history and thought. And for the first time in my life, I was mingling with groups of people that were ethnically and religiously diverse, which further expanded my world and opened my eyes and my mind and my heart. Fast forwarding yet again, my first marriage fraught with incompatible goals and dreams ended in divorce, a closed door, but gifted me with two awesome daughters, Terry and Becky. Our move from Auburn, Alabama to the Washington area was heartbreaking for my daughters and me, but resulted in my eventually meeting the love of my life, Kurt, and then through marriage, acquiring five more amazing children, Patty, Vicki, Kurt Jr., Dave, and Joe, another open door. Through much mentoring, I was, through, through much mentoring and many grandchildren and great-grandchildren, um, I'm sorry, through much mentoring received from family members and during my attendance at the Son of David uh, Messianic Church and the First Baptist Church of Wheaton, I gradually and gratefully came to believe in an amazing God who made the sacrifice of sending his, his beloved son, Jesus Christ, to live as man among fallen humans to pave their way to reconciliation, forgiveness, forgiveness, and eternal life. I thank and praise this amazing God of ours for this and for continuously orchestrating experiences and insights that serve to bring us closer to becoming children of the God, the children of God that we were created to be. I believe that there is no such thing as coincidence. God is fully in control. I'd like to express my gratitude for God and my church family for entrusting me to serve at Bathways Baptist Church as deacon. Beautiful. You can tell 
And you can tell from her beautiful use of language, Joyce's role across the years of writing poetry and scripts and drama for us. Thank you for that beautiful word, Joyce. I want to point you back to the script. See how, the, again, the scriptures coming alive in the lives of people, not just in their words, but the sermons that they live in front of us, right? Verse 7. Uh, I'd like for everybody to look at this verse together. Matter of fact, let's read it together because this is for all of us. Let's read together. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, see, grace is a free gift. It's been given to us as Christ has apportioned it, as He has determined, as He has graciously made available. So again, I simply want to say, yes, we're a Baptist congregation. We vote on elders and deacons, even on pastors and ministerial staff. But when we vote, we are supposed to have done so having done our due diligence in preparation, having prayed profoundly, and then we join together as the local expression of the body of Christ under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and then we affirm what we believe Christ has apportioned, what Christ has determined. And so I want to make it clear, we are not making deacons and elders today. That's not what happens in an ordination. We recognize that God has provided them and affirm them as gifts to this local body of Christ. All right. If you still have your Bible open, I want you to jump down to verses 11 to 13. This is a great passage for us today. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become, say it with me, mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, folks, one of the really important ways to discover your role, if you're sitting there saying, oh, wow, this is great, I like this, deacons and elders saying, I wonder what I'm called to do. Well, one of the really important ways for you to discover your calling, your role that you might want to serve in, one of the really great ways to discover your spiritual gifts that God has given to equip you for that calling is to get busy building up the body of Christ. And as you do that, the gifts become evident to all who are being touched by your life and ministry. That's why in a minute when I invite you to gather around these folks, I'm going to say, if you're on the ministry team with them in their area of service, or if you have been ministered to by them by their area of service, feel free to go to their, to their spot and lay hands on them, because that's what it's all about. It's about growing up and serving and trying these different places out. And you know, one of the ways you got to do that, you got to sort through a lot of stuff sometimes. I've been, a, you know, I've done a lot of jobs in the church. In my lifetime, I've been the church organist. I've been a church pianist. I've been a church janitor. I've been a church associate pastor. I've been a youth pastor. I've been a summer missionary. I've been a foreign missionary. I tried a lot of things. God laughed at a lot of them. <laughs> as he helped me grow up. God has a purpose in all those things. I worked with children. I wasn't any good at it, but I did it. And as you do that, it begins to coalesce in your life. God begins to make clear his calling, his giftedness 
for you. One of the people who's a hero for me in the way she has sifted through that is Cynthia Guerrero, who's been nominated to be one of our elders. And so, Cynthia, please come and share your testimony with us today, a great fulfillment of this passage. Hi. Good morning. My name is Cynthia Guerrero. You may have seen me or worked with me on the praise team, on the tech team, on the Dinkins team, on the missions team, on the student ministry team, small group, the MIT or the MET. Those are not baseball teams. That's the merger implementation team. The naming of the church team, the pastor search team, or you may be familiar with my work if you were fortunate enough to answer any of the questions on the survey in the past. That was me, creator, consultant, data analyzer, also report writer. Loved it. And if our paths have not yet crossed, that allowed, then allow me to turn your attention to the screens behind me. I'm the one that pushes the button to go from one slide to the next. And if you see any grammatical errors, it's me. Through all of these different roles, God has sharpened me. He's challenged me. He's enhanced the gifts the Holy Spirit gave me and encouraged me to be the woman that I am today. Every step, he's led me from one amazing adventure to the next. Sometimes I waited with enthusiasm for that next road trip. And other times I've gone pouting the entire way. I am honored and humbled. That God saw in me potential to be called to this place at this time for his work. And my prayer is that each and every one of you will be able to experience an adventure with God and allow him to lead you where you are most needed using your gifts. Thank you. If I have to explain to you how she's qualified to be an elder after that, you're not paying attention. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divert for just a minute here. I need to do this. Um, uh, Cynthia, as a, a young woman called to be an elder, follows in a pathway that she did not make herself. And so I just felt called as I thought about this this week to mention some important women who, like Cynthia, decided at places in their lives to be very obedient to God and by doing so have helped create pathways for others. 
Uh, and our histories go back into First Gaithersburg and First Wheaton as well as Pathways. I don't even recall all the names, but I do remember it was two ladies sharing an onion, you know, at the root of the founding of First Gaithersburg. I know that out of our two founding congregations, we have one remaining founding member, and she is here with us today. She's back here. I'm not sure. What is it with purple? Marie, would you stand for us again? I'm going to embarrass her a little bit, but this young lady at 90-something years old, uh, a founding member in 1949 of First Baptist Church of Wheaton, still here, faithful today. Wow. You, you, you have to ask her the story about climbing the fire tower. Yes, that was a thing uh, when she was pregnant uh, in the days of the war. So, I'll let you, let you tell that story. But what a great woman. What a great legacy. I, I don't remember how many decades of teaching in the children's ministry. Thank you, Marie, for the example you set and for paving the way for Cynthia. There's another young lady right here, Bernice Dickerson. Much younger than Marie, right? I mean, uh, uh, you know. Bernice, can you at least wave for me right down here? Another in purple. Bernice was in our first group of elders that we ever named at First Baptist Wheaton. And her legacy as a woman of faith and of clarity and vision remains to this day. And so, Bernice, so grateful that you would join us today. She can't make it very often. I want to thank her and her daughter for coming today, especially to join us. Thank you, Layla. Thank you, Bernice, so much. And you see, it's, it's people like them that then lead us to people like Joanne Coker, who's one of our current elders, you know, still driving, still getting here, still teaching Sunday school, still serving. It's, it's their investment that leads to people. I mean, Ellen Teague, who I met way, 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 way back. Well, I was a teenager. She was in her 20s. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, she, when she was president of the DCBC, and I saw a woman leading an entire convention, I'd never seen that before as a Southern Baptist. You get it? Uh, yeah, another reason why I'm not one today, but that's a whole other story. Um, and then the many women deacons that we now have in our church and the women elders and people like Pastor Paula and Pastor Sylvia and Ananda and these folks who are gifted and called to lead congregations. Thank you, God for your grace in providing people like them and for it leading to people like Cynthia being called to serve as an elder. So we rejoice. Thank you. So I want to pick up again real quick, and our, our time is getting short, so I'm going to skip some verses, a little warning there to the tech team. Um, but verse 15, actually verses 14 through 16 says this. We're going to grow up maturity. It says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Folks, that's not talking about biblical days. That's talking about every day right up to the present, okay? And instead of being like those babies, he says, we are going to speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him. There's that word again, mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Wow. That's what we're about. 
Now, the next several verses, 17 through 32, give a lot of practical advice on how does a life that's lived… We've been talking about their lives or sermons in front of us, and if you've got your Bible open, you can look down there. He says, don't live as the Gentiles do, the futility of their thinking, darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God, hardening their hearts, losing their sensitivity, giving themselves over to sensuality, indulging in every kind of impurity and greed. You see, he says, don't do that. That's not the way of life you learned from us when you heard about Christ and were taught about Him in accordance with the truth. He says, put on the new self and grow up in Christ. And so, I just want to say this for you guys today, everybody in the room. This part of the passage gives you two things. It gives you a lot of great practical advice about behaviors that we should practice regularly, what we should do. He says, don't let the sin go down on your wrath. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't steal any longer. Work. Do something useful. Share with those in need. Help. Let what comes out of your mouth be only what is helpful for building up others. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger. All these things, behaviors to do. And here's the other thing those things are. They're not just a list of behaviors for a checklist. They're also a way for you, not me. Let's say it again. You, not me, to check up on your own life. You want to know if you're maturing? You don't really need me to tell you. Take a look at your own life according to the Word of God. Okay. We're going to move toward our, our, our final part here and move into chapter 5. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jeff, I want to invite you to come and share, if you would please, Jeff Barros. If you look at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5, here's what you're going to notice. Again, for all Christians, but especially for deacons and elders, he starts by talking about following God's example. It's always about following somebody's example. Being a good example, Jeff is. Walking in the pathway of love, Jeff does. And the emphasis on sacrificial giving and serving others. That's my brother Jeff. I want you to hear his testimony. Brother. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, Pathways. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Jeff. Jeff Burrows. I am the proud dad of Eric and Emily. Everybody stare at them for a second because they love attention. Um, and for 20 wonderful years, I was married to my best friend and the love of my life, Stacy, who was Pathway's first uh, children's minister um, until she went home to be with the Lord about almost three years ago now. Um, I am I'm a longtime member of the uh, FECW slash Strings of Hope uh, side of Pathways, almost 27 years now. Uh, and it was during my early years at FPCW that uh, uh, my love for serving and ministering within the church really started to grow. My main areas of service, including helping uh, Pastor Jonathan uh, lead the youth, working under Miss uh, Sylvia uh, in the children's uh, ministry. Uh, I'm also a member of our uh, worship team. I have also uh, served as a deacon uh, for many years. I was honored to be nominated to be an elder. I never really expected it. I had never thought of myself as elder material. 
but I have learned uh, that God sometimes calls on what I like to call unlikely candidates uh, to fulfill his purpose. Uh, like Pastor just read, uh, Ephesians 5 says that we are to follow God's example and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. I love Pathways, and this is my church. This is my home. You guys are my family. I look forward to continuing to serve and help shepherd uh, this flock of believers in this world as an elder of, of this church as we walk together uh, in the way of love. Thank you. Just a quick word, we celebrate the fact that we're a multicultural church. Can I tell you that doesn't happen by accident? And one of the people we owe a lot to is Jeff's mom, who's not with us anymore. Jeff's mom was a member of a Brazilian congregation that was renting space at First Baptist Wheaton. She came to me one day, made an appointment, and I thought, what is she going to want with me? She's in the other church. And she said, I want you to know I'm going to be joining a Sunday school class in your church, and I'm going to be putting my son Jefferson <laughs> in the youth group here. That's how young Jeff was when we first met him. She said, I, I want my children to be Brazilian, yes, but we live here, and I want his English to be good. I want his connections to be strong, and I want him invested in the church as he's growing up. When she got transferred to another position and Jeff stayed behind, she made an appointment with me to say, I'm leaving him in your hands. I knew I was not man enough for the task, and so I assigned him to Stacy Barros, <laughs> Stacy Paulette at the time, and she did a great job with him. I, her multicultural vision helped build what we have today. And it should not escape your notice. I will not go into it at length, but all three of our new elders, Jeff, Cynthia, and Brother Milton, why don't you come on up, are internationals. They all have family roots in other countries. They all speak other languages, have different flavors of music and ways of connecting with people, and we are the richer for it. So, as our last testimony with Milton, here's his introduction from the passage of chapter 5. He says in verse 3, among you there should not be any hint of sexual immorality or of impurity or greed. These are improper for God's holy people. There should be no obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. So don't be partners with them. Now, here's the part I want you to hear. You might say, wow, what an introduction. Milton, was he that bad? Okay, listen, listen. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. And the first time I heard Milton's full life testimony, which he's not going to share all that today, but to talk about what he came out of and his commitment to follow God, Wow, what a blessing. My friend Milton, come share your word. 
morning, Pathways. Yes. Um, it's indeed a great honor um, to stand here before you this morning to, to be ordained to serve as an elder in my home church, Pathways, a church I love very much. Sorry, Milton. And I want to thank you all for... I'm bring that down. Oh, yes, yeah, okay. I want to thank you all for the confidence you have placed in nominating me um, to serve in this holy office. So I'm going to ask you to pray for me that the Lord will fully equip me with the talents, spiritual gifts, and also the energy that I'll need to effectively fulfill my role as an elder in this church. Okay, and um, I'm just going to give a little history about myself. Um, I was brought up in a Christian home by Christian parents. In fact, my, my dad was a, what I call a lay preacher. He would preach and a certain Sunday of the month was dedicated to him because the church had a pastor which had to do the circuit, as they say. So my father would fill in on certain Sundays. So based on that, I had to go to church I was basically forced <laughs> to go to church, and I would attend church like three times a week. Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, and Wednesday night, no exceptions. So, uh, honestly, I, I liked attending church, but I didn't like the idea of being, of being forced, you know. So, at the age of 17, when I graduated from high school, I saw freedom. And I basically wandered away from the church. Um, I, I drifted away for about 20 years. And during that period, I got involved in the world of alcohol and all the other related sins that, you know, go with visiting clubs and bars and doing all sorts of unholy things, you know. And even, even when I got married, and at my son, I still continued, you know. Um, doing that for years. But even during those, those years of doing this, you know, along this wayward part, I, I would experience several surges of guilt, you know, knowing that from my Christian upbringing, what I was doing was wrong. And I knew that God was seeing me, you know, there was no doubt about that. I knew I was, I was being watched by God, you know, so... Eventually, after a, a number of challenging incidents in my life, especially when I started my accounting practice and it wasn't really going good in the initial stages, I started to pray to God seriously, asking him to, to help me. And then one night I heard the voice of God in my head saying to me, how oh, do you expect me to help you if, if, you're not, if you don't serve me? And the following Sunday morning, I told my wife we are going to church. And I went to the first Baptist church, Kingston, Jamaica, which is about five minutes from my home. It was the nearest church to me. Went there, started attending every Sunday. Eventually, I got baptized on midnight. No, close to midnight, New Year's Eve, 1997. And the rest is history, as the saying goes. So I just want to thank you all for the confidence you have, you know, put in me. And I just want to say God bless you all, my brothers and sisters.
And one of the next verses you'll see, we come to it says, so redeem the time for the days are evil. What that means is short and we only get one. So we're going to use the rest of our time. So uh, everybody can stand right now if you want. It makes it a little bit easier for everybody. If you'd like to stand for just a minute, here's what, just stay where you are. I'm going to tell you how I'd like for you to go. So deacons, uh, the current elders and deacons, some of you have been assigned to pray for these folks. I want you to go first and get right beside them, if you would, right away. And then I want to invite all of our other ordained folks, if there are other ordained ministers, all deacons, elders, uh, you know, whether you're emeritus, retired, whatever, we invite you to pick one of these folks, make your way there. If you are in the immediate family or you're one of the special guests that they've invited today, we want to invite you to participate. We do believe that that there is a sense where those who are ordained are also welcoming and affirming as people move into this calling, but we also know that without the support of their family and friends and the prayers, whether it's for the long journey like Milton shared or what Cynthia shared or what the others have all shared, this is just a part of the journey. So I invite you, if you've been invited there for that, to do that. Now, if you are, uh, let, me, let me make sure I don't, I don't uh, mess this up too badly. Um, if you are on a ministry team with one of these folks, or if you're a musician with Felix, perhaps, or you're on a tech team, I, I know a number of our women want to stand with Cynthia today. You might want to stand with Becky or, or with Joyce. You're welcome to go to any of these places, gather around. If you've been in a small group with them, if you have served with them, if you have received ministry from them, if they have prayed for you, and you want to just go move right to where they are, you might be a musician, you might be a youth staff, you might be uh, a Brazilian, Jamaican, uh, Tex-Mex, uh, wh- whatever you have. Uh, if, you, if you are an affinity with one of these folks, you are welcome to go there. Church members, if you have uh, somebody in this group that has particularly served you, blessed you, we invite you to go and stand in their circle, get your hand on their shoulder or their knee or touch a person who's touching them. I want you, anybody who is here is welcome to participate in this laying on of hands. And it's very simple. There's no magic hocus pocus. It's very simple. I've asked the elder who is at each place or the deacon uh, chairperson who's with each of these new ordinance to pray first. They're going to pray a very short prayer. Uh, and, and we're going to all pray at the same time. So there'll be six groups praying at the same time. Do not worry about that. You cannot possibly pray loud enough for everybody to hear you, so don't even try. Pray loud enough for those who are gathered around your person. Make a circle all the way around them if you want. That's okay to gather in, get close to them, and welcome other people in. I also especially want to thank Pastor Carlos Mendez, who's here with us today, to pray for Jeff. He was not the pastor of that Brazilian congregation, but he's the pastor of our Brazilian congregation, amen? And we wanted to symbolize our ongoing multicultural connection and gratitude to God because our future will be determined as God continues to bring people from all over the world to serve Him faithfully. All right? So if they'll start us, and then we're going to have time. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes here. If you pray three or four sentences, there's going to be time for five, six, ten people to pray over each person. I want you to feel free to do that, okay? So elders, start us. Uh, those who've been in, uh, asked to lead, get us started, and then let your group just take turns, okay? Folks, just pray over these folks however you want, personally and prayerfully for them.
humility, a very strong sense of being undeserving, that we thank you for Joyce, for Becky, for Felix, for Jeff, for Cynthia and Milton on this particular day where you have called them to be recognized and affirmed as our new deacons and elders. We pray your richest blessings on them. We pray for your watch care over them and their families, over their secular employment, over their ministries in the church, over their relationships. God, help us to be good church members as they help to lead and encourage and serve us. Thank you again for providing them to us. And in the spirit of gratitude and commitment, we pray this prayer from 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is our charge to our deacons and elders. But you men and women of God pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, just as you've done today. Praise the Lord. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you all to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, our blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see to him be honor and glory and might forever. Guard what has been entrusted to your care and the grace of God be upon you. In Jesus' name, we pray this. And all God's people agreed together and said, Amen. Amen.